We're going to take a break from our series in the book of Ecclesiastes today because it is a special day. Um, When we get to install new leaders as a church, uh, it's a sign of God's favor, it's a sign of God's blessing, and it's a chance for us as a church to come together and to honor uh, and lift these men up before the Lord and to thank their wives uh, for saying yes to devoting their husband's time to the church of Christ. So the sermon today is going to be entirely directed toward elders. In fact, it's called Elders Rule. Elders Rule. And you can open your Bibles up to 1 Peter chapter 5. uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. And what we're going to see today is um, where elder leadership comes from. And we're going to be challenged in many ways. These uh, men who are stepping up to serve as elders will be uh, shown in Scripture what eldering is all about. And uh, we as a congregation will also be called to give them great honor and respect and to, to support them and to lift them up. And we'll also see from heaven what God's purpose was in establishing elder leadership from the very beginning. I'm grateful to God for what he's doing in our church, and I'm grateful for the congregation, uh, for uh, out of the congregation come the elders. And when we start as an elder team looking around and saying, who, who should we consider for spiritual leadership in the church? It's crucial that you understand the heart of spiritual leadership. The heart of spiritual leadership in the Bible and here at our church is this. You, anyone who is helping other people worship Christ, walk with Christ, work for Christ, and witness for Christ, that's spiritual leadership. So if you're doing that, then God is pleased because you're spiritually leading other people. There's so many different forms of leadership, right? And the world has a very distorted understanding of what leadership is, right? With the power and the glamour and the the decision-making and you're at the board and you've got a lot of titles behind your name and even what qualifies a person to be a leader in the worldly sense is not at all what Scripture is all about. So if you see someone who is helping others worship Christ, helping others move forward in their walk, because this person is around, that person is witnessing more. Because this person is around, that person is working for Christ more. That's spiritual leadership. And it, at its core, that's all it is. It's making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, out of that flows a lot of different decisions, and out of that flows a lot of different issues that you have to work through as a church. But the point is this. That's the heart of spiritual leadership, moving God's people forward. So in raising up and installing small group leaders and deacons and elders, fundamentally it's all about spiritual leadership, moving other people forward. Now our church is elder-led, and we're going to see in 1 Peter chapter 5 where that comes from. Peter, of course, you know, uh, he is the disciple, as it's been said, with the foot-shaped mouth. Have you ever heard that? the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth. <laughs> you know, he had, when Jesus was on earth, Peter had a lot of blunders, you know, but eventually he got to the point where he was, he was so powerful in the early church, people would try and, you know, just let his shadow fall over them and, so that they can be healed. I mean, the, the power, this, he was like Bono walking around in the ancient world, and yet he had been so humbled that he writes in his letters about what the heart of spiritual leadership is. We're going to pray, and then we'll get into 1 Peter 5, along with a few other passages today. But let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are raising up men and women in this church to lead in a variety of ways. And thank you for the elders who we're installing today, for Bob and for Brian and for Debbie and Faith, their wives, Lord, just that you've given them a heart to help others move forward in faith. And we pray that as we look into your word today that we would see the the heart of spiritual leadership and that we would see as a church how you're building us up so that we can be properly led and cared for. 
Lord, we just take great joy in this day, and we pray that you would fill us with your spirit as we get into your word together. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, are you there in 1 Peter 5, verse 1? He says this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the first question you can write down is this. Why is our church led by elders? There's a variety of governance models out there. Why is our church led by elders? We see in Scripture where the word comes from. Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. So Peter was an apostle which means he saw the risen Christ, and he was authorized with, with spectacular responsibility. He had the authority to write scripture. Uh, he, he had power to perform miracles. He was an apostle, but when it came to the church leadership, he knew he was also an elder, and there were fellow elders who had that authority to lead in the church. So he calls himself a fellow elder. Think of what he could have said. He could have said, y'all listen to me because I'm Peter. I'm the rock. You will do what I say when I say, Right? Um, that's not the way it is. He says, I exhort the elders as a fellow elder. He le le uh, levels the playing field here. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ. His eyes immediately are on Christ. Like he can't even finish the sentence before his eyes are on Christ. The sufferings of Christ in the past, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He's coming back. So looking back, looking forward, Peter's eyes are on Jesus. And what a great portrait for what an elder should be. His eyes are on Jesus. So elders show up in scripture here, and Peter calls himself an elder. The word comes from the Old Testament when Moses appointed 70 elders to help him lead the nation. Then this model of leadership extended into the synagogue um, and a variety of forms in the government of Israel. But the synagogues, the local, we would call them churches today, but synagogues back then, they would have local elders and leaders, and so it was an elder-led uh, form, of, form of government there. So, jot this down. Elders were appointed in all the local churches. Elder governance was the New Testament biblical model. And so, our church is led by elders because that's what we see uh, in Scripture. There are several places where we see this. And in, in AD 45, Acts 11.30, we see elders in the early Jerusalem church. And James also mentions elders. It's very early, right? This is like, you know, within... 10 years maybe of Jesus dying. The church is just real, you know, not even a teenager yet. And yet you have, or close to it, you have in AD 45 elders in the Jerusalem church and James, the apostle, the brother of the Lord, talking about elders. Then in AD 47, Acts chapter 14, Paul's first missionary journey, elders were appointed in every town. So every time they, they went into a town, they'd establish a church and then they, they'd appoint elders. Usually the church was Jewish. The Jewish were the converts first because they'd go to the synagogue first. So there were already elders and they'd find people who fit the qualifications and they would immediately give elder governance to these local churches. In AD 49, Acts 15, the apostles and the elders met and handled tough questions of doctrine. 
Now that could have just been the apostles. I don't know about you, but if somebody stands up and says, I saw heaven, maybe he should have a little more weight. And the apostles did have a lot of authority in what they said, but they shared that with the elders. The elders gathered together to hammer out some tough issues in the faith. So we see that happening uh, from the beginning. In AD 58, Acts 20, Paul tells elders from Ephesus, the Holy Spirit made you overseers. he's, He's not saying, I did it. You know, he's saying the Holy Spirit did it. In AD 63, in 1 Peter 5, 1-4, that's where our text comes from today. So Peter's talking about this now in AD 63. And in AD 65, Titus 1, Paul tells Titus to appoint elders in every town on the island of Crete. That's why I left you there. Go town to town and appoint elders. So that's why we're an elder form of government. When you look into the Bible, you see elder governance from the Scripture. You see it in every town. You see it in every church. Uh, and that's why we are elder-led. Jot this down. God established the office of elder. God established the office of elder. This isn't something that man thought up. This isn't something Paul and Peter sat down and they're like, all right, let's figure this out. Um, they, they understood that this was actually something God was establishing in his church. In 1 Peter 5, um, it says, uh, the flock of God that is among you, right? And then it says, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, as God would have you. And the idea that God is having shepherds, elders, to exercise this oversight, that can even be translated according to the will of God. So God is willing that elders would watch over his flock. It is the will of the Father. And then in Acts 20, 28, it says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Do you see the Trinitarian nature of eldering here? It's the flock of God, right, obtained with his own blood, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is making you overseers. So the Spirit actually gives the gifting of eldering. It's a spiritual gift to be a pastor, elder, overseer. So the Father wills it, the Spirit is giving the gifting, and then the Son is directing it. It says in Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So do you see that? Jesus is building up his body. He's the head of the body of the church, and in giving some to be shepherds and teachers, Jesus himself is directing the process of elders being installed. So we see here that God established the office of the elder. And we also see that Jesus is the one that elders are testifying about. Peter says that he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's looking ahead as a partaker of the glory to be revealed. While these are very powerful men who are, who are doing things that are going to change the world, their eyes are on Christ, and they're sharing this responsibility to build up the flock of God, the body of Christ. Uh, they, they want the church to be built up strong and pure. So why is our church led by elders? Well, elders were appointed in all the local churches, and God established the office of elder. It is an office, an official, you get installed into the office and have that governing authority in the church. All right, number two question would be this, well, what do elders do? What do elders do? Now, I can tell you the activities that elders in our church do. We meet twice a month. We pray for you. You know, on our agenda, we run right to the, to the Lord. We get our Bibles open, and then we run right to the flock. We talk about people. How are they doing? You know, we don't, we don't immerse ourselves in spreadsheets right away, and policy manuals, and, you know, and th- that's not what we do. It's all about the Lord, 
and it's all about the people. And then we do get around to areas that need our attention. Elders serve uh, communion to lead the communion and also preach the word. On occasion, they provide counseling in relationships, care and correction with, uh, with, with some, some issues in relationships that have risen up out of maybe small groups, and then maybe staff has tried to help, and then it kind of rises up to the elder level where they have to get involved to try and um, help get through that. Generally, elders in our church focus on doctrine, keeping the doctrine pure, uh, and you know, coming up with a plan for where we're going in God's word, doctrine, and then discipline, which includes care and correction of people who are struggling, and then direction. Where's the church going? What big decisions do we make? And the elders have the governing authority in the church, um, and yet they also press that out. They share that power by delegating to other groups and other individuals and staff and leaders. Uh, they, they get that out so that they primarily can be focusing on doctrine and discipline and direction. Now, those are the things that elders do, but the Bible gives us three pictures of what elders are that contains all of the activity. And you can see that in the words that are used here. So jot this down, elder. The word elder, uh, which is used here, means to offer wise and mature spiritual leadership. And elders offer wise and mature spiritual leadership. Usually in the, in the Bible, elders were older, you know, they don't have to be. There's not like an age restriction. But there were several age restrictions in the Old Testament when people could become a priest, you know, or when they, when they came of age and, uh, and, and when they were qualified for certain things. So age definitely plays into it. But really it's because there is a esteem, there is a respect because their counsel can be trusted. They've been seasoned with life and suffering often. And they have established a track record of commitment and character. Um, so when you think of elder, you know, I don't know what you think of, but here's, here's who I think of when I think of an elder. A wise being who I can trust what he has to say, right? And, and, and there's an elder. We don't require a beard or a beard length for elders in our church, but it helps to ga gain you more respect, am I right? This is the scraggly version of Gandalf, though. Here's the next picture. I kind of like this one better. Yes, you know, and he's out fighting the battle and, and helping the people uh, to win. That, so the elder offers wise and mature spiritual leadership. Um, the word in, in the Greek is uh, presbuteros, presbuteros. And what does that sound like? Presbut, presbyteria, presbyteria. So you can see how some denominations draw even their denominational style from the word of elder. And these elders, that's what they were called in the synagogue. So this is kind of a Jewish word drawn out of the synagogue. And so they would, in the church, immediately understand what an elder was. The next word is pastor. You can write, write this down. Pastor teaches and cares for the flock of God. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow, fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. Then he goes on to say, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Pastoring means teaching. Feed my sheep. Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. You're feeding the sheep the word of God through teaching. Uh, no man lives on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we are feeding the flock, and then we're caring for the flock of God. Uh, you're watching over. You're, you're, you know, you got your, your rod and your staff. And when the wolf comes along, you thump him on the head with the rod. And when the sheep is going astray, you grab him with the staff, and you kind of you know, bring him back, the rod and the staff. And that's what shepherds do. Uh, we shepherd the flock of God. Here's a picture of a shepherd. And the, the shepherd is not necessarily a desirable career choice today or even back then the shepherds were often viewed as lower caste you know you didn't really want to be a shepherd 
But this idea of caring for God's flock, here's another picture of what it would have looked like back then. If you were a shepherd, you know, this is out in the Sinai area. Uh, but, you know, I don't know, when you did those high school aptitude tests where they told you maybe what you should be in life, you remember those? You know, uh, I don't know if anyone got told you should be a shepherd, you know, maybe, maybe not. Not really a career path many are following today, but this is what an elder does. This right here is what a pastor does. We care for, protect, lead, guard the, the flock of God. Shepherd the flock, and it's important to realize that it's the flock of God. This church is not my church. This church is not your church. This is God's church. These people don't belong to the elders, right? Uh, th these people belong to God. This is the flock of God. And when it comes to that reality, there's a, a rich tradition in the Old Testament of God calling Israel, the, you know, he's the shepherd of Israel, right? He, he was the shepherd of Israel, there's also often a tie-in to being a shepherd in the Old Testament and a king. Kings would often call themselves uh, shepherds. So the idea of watching over with authority and love, feeding, teaching, loving, is super important. And the idea that we are shepherding people who don't belong to us, um, let's face it, you change how you handle something when it belongs to someone else. If it's yours, you might be a little less careful. You might be a little more loosey-goosey because it's yours, and if it breaks, whatever. But if it belongs to someone else, you show a lot more care. So when we took a Great Western trip several years ago, we ended up, the, uh, we were going to go to Yosemite. It was on fire. So we had to make plans while we're driving out west. We're like in Arizona, wherever we were. we're and then we're coming up with plan B while we're out there because Yosemite's on fire. So this family opened their home to us. And it so happens that it was a beautiful home on uh, a Pebble Beach golf course. And we were staying in their basement, which was such a, a provision of God. So anyway, we're down there, and they said, one thing, don't touch the sculptures. There were two sculptures right by the door. It's like, okay, why? Oh, they're worth like, you know, $100,000 each. Oh, kids, don't touch the sculptures. <laughs> don't touch the sculptures, because they don't belong to us, and this family had really, really, like, highly priced sculptures, and they were, like, not on solid cabinets or anything. It was very rickety. And they had a three-legged cat. I'm like, do you really want these sculptures to make it? Because <laughs> you didn't mount them right, and your three-legged cat is hobbling around. And I said, kids, don't touch the sculptures. When something doesn't belong to you, you're, like, really more careful with it. Am I right? So this idea of, like, shepherding the flock of God, these, these are God's people, they're breakable. We're all fragile. And so we want to be so careful to take care of God's people, shepherd the flock of God. Um, then, jot this down, overseer. Uh, so overseer governs the activities of the church. Wise, mature spiritual leadership is the elder. Pastor teaches and cares for the flock of God. The overseer governs the activities of the church so this word was used freely in the New Testament world as somebody who would oversee a city, perhaps a mayor, governor, whatever. So it's kind of a, you know, more of a political term. So somebody would have that governing watch over the city, and that idea also ties in to what an elder does, a pastor, an elder, an overseer. The word uh, episcopeo, episcopeo, what does that sound like? Episcopal, right? Uh, so you can see how that also ties into a governance model. Overseeing, overseeing, picture of an administrator, a city official watching over. 
And the elders do things that would kind of tie into that more on the organizational side, approving the budget, delegating to, you know, forming committees and teams and delegating responsibilities to them. And the elders do have the entire church to oversee. So um, one way to think about it is everything that the church does and is involved in is like Anchor Lake. You know, we talk about that on staff. That's like Anchor Lake. But you have to find tributaries to push stuff out or Anchor Lake is going to overflow and people are going to float out to sea, right? So Anchor Lake, the elders create these tributaries and they start delegating a lot of responsibility to staff and to small group leaders and to individual ministry leaders and to deacons. They start pushing that out and then the elders have their area of primary responsibility, doctrine, discipline, and direction, hoping that that won't overflow with what other people are in charge of if they delegate it well. We had our first official um, elders, all three of us, gathering a while uh, ago recently, and we met at a restaurant, and uh, the first thing I wanted to share with them was from Psalm 127. I said, guys, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. It's important to understand that while we as um, elders offer wise and mature spiritual leadership, it's under the authority of God. God is the one in Jesus Christ who has put all the wisdom, all the divine wisdom is in Christ. We draw from that to lead. It's important that while we pastor the flock of God, Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the one providing the ultimate supreme care. And it's important to know that while we watch over and govern the acti activities of the church, unless the Lord is building this church, we are laboring in vain. So everything we do as elders is an expression of what God is doing in his church. And it's his power working powerfully in us that leads to the building up of the church. So what do elders do? Well, these three pictures, an elder, a pastor, an overseer, give us an understanding of everything bound up in that. And it's important to realize that pastor, elder, overseer are used interchangeably in Scripture. So when you see the word elder or pastor or overseer, it means the same thing. Uh, a pastor is an elder, is an overseer. It's three words for the, same, uh, for the same spiritual gifting, for the same responsibility. And then for those who have the office, all three words are used interchangeably. All right, so why is our church led by elders? Well, they were appointed in the local churches. God established the office. What do they do? Well, elder, wise, mature spiritual leadership. Pastor, teach and care for the flock. Overseer, govern the activities of the church. Number three, who can be an elder or a pastor or an overseer? Who can be an elder? So where do they come from? And what's the process of getting them installed? Well, we, we do have an interview process, three formal interviews and several informal meetings uh, that elder candidates go through. And the elders select and screen the elders primarily. So the existing elders are the ones who select and screen the elder candidates. And then we actually have an elder candidate committee that they are placed on in that formal sense when they agree to go through the screening, and we agree they should. So because elders select and screen elders, I presented these candidates to Ken Henley, our former elder chair, and I also um, presented... Uh, as his off-ramp approached, I presented the transition plan, and he approved all of that. So elders lead the process of installing elders. Then we invite the church, the congregation, to have a critical voice once we have done our due diligence and we've 
uh, prayed and we've interviewed and we've, you know, asked all the hard questions, then we open it up to the congregation and say, hey, if you know this person, if you have questions, if you have affirmations, you have a month to speak in to the candidacy of these people. And many people have. And praise God that uh, they have uh, received the, the support of the congregation. So you see how the elders lead the process and the congregation has a crucial voice um, in that. So when it comes to who can be an elder, pastor, overseer, jot this down. Biblically qualified men may serve as elders. Biblically qualified men may serve as elders. There are several areas of victory that must be established in an elder's life. They are not perfect. They will sin. They need the grace of Jesus Christ as much as you do, and they need it every day. So the standard is not, you must be perfect and you must never sin. Any man who claims to be without sin calls God a liar. So we expect that there are areas that need to be watched over and repented of, but these men are holding the high ground of victory over the major battlefields of faith. There are some that are listed here in 1 Peter 5. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So there's a lot in here, exercising oversight, that's where that overseer word comes from, not under compulsion, so you're not, you know, forced into it. Um, you're not, okay, I guess if I have to. Uh, so there's an idea of sloth there, there's an idea of unwillingness, and the man who's going to serve as an elder has to have a hard work ethic in the church. Uh, when it comes to having a hard work ethic, it's important to know that eldering is hard work and taking care of the flock of God. You can't be under compulsion. You have to be willing, as God would have you. Then it says not for shameful gain. So you're not greedy. You're not trying to get a paycheck. You're not trying to, or even steal. You're not after the money, right? But, but eagerly, you're willing. You're not domineering. You're not lording it over. I'm going to be able to tell people what to do. Uh, but you're being an example to the flock. It's about the Lord and it's about the sheep. I saw this video recently of a guy who was not setting a good example for those around him and he was struggling with sloth. Check this out. He was slacking. Uh, this was a tug-of-war contest, right? There's no, there's no audio to this video. But can you find out the guy who's not really throwing his whole heart into it? <laughs> he's, he's not really doing the best job. He's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And you know, when it comes to finding elder candidates, elders are already working hard as small group leaders, as ministry leaders. They're already toiling for the flock before we say, hey, we've got an eye on you. We think maybe you could serve at a higher level here. And when it comes to the idea of setting an example for the flock, man, talking to Pastor Alex was so great, wasn't it? And the president of Kiev, wow. The president of Ukraine, wow. He was an actor, and he got put in charge, and people had really low expectations for him. Zelensky, and here's a picture. And his courage and the example that he has set has made him an icon of leadership all around the world. He could have gotten out. The armed forces of the U.S. Uh, you know, offered to fly in and get him out. He said, I'm staying in Kiev, and I'm not scared of anyone. It's just unbelievable, his courage. The example he's setting is rallying the entire nation to take up arms and to fight for their freedom. Right? He said, the fight is here. I don't need a lift. I need ammunition. What an example he has set, and everyone is rallying behind him. That's the courage that is on display in an elder's life. That's the work ethic that is on display in an elder's life. He's setting an example for the flock. There are character qualifications that must be met as well. In 1 Timothy 3, it says this, The saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer. He desires a noble task. 
Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So who can be an elder or a pastor? Well, biblically qualified men may serve as elders. They set an example for the flock. And when it comes to then once a person is qualified to serve as an elder or pastor, here's a few distinctions that you need to know so that this clears up some confusion. So jot this down. Some are on staff and some are not in our church. So some are vocational, some are not. So when it comes to like, you know, Pastor Mark, you know, who we sent to Scotland, he was a pastor elder overseer. He was on staff. So he was qualified to serve as an elder and he was on staff. Um, And so some elders are on staff. As the senior pastor, I automatically serve on the elder board. So I'm an elder and I'm on staff. Uh, So some pastor elder overseers are on staff, but some are not. And the Bible, uh, when it comes to our elder team in the past, Mike Kiowski, who came back from Romania last year, he was part-time staff to oversee adult ministry, and he was on the elder board. So he was an elder who had part-time staff responsibility, and uh, Pastor Bob is also going to be on the elder team and part-time staff uh, as the interim adult pastor. Uh, The Bible definitely makes it clear that this is not just allowable, but it's commendable. When somebody is willing to give their lives um, a part-time or a full-time role, saying, this is my vocation, I'm going to actually serve as a pastor full-time to take care of God's church. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, 14, it says this, In the same way the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So it's actually commendable when someone wants to get their living uh, by giving all of their time, you know, uh, it's 24-7, being on call, you know, 40, 50-hour work week of serving the flock of God. That's a commendable thing in Scripture. And, um, and so biblical qualified men may serve as elders. Some are on staff, some are not. And then jot this down, some have the office, some do not. So when Pastor Mark was on staff, he had the spiritual gift of being a pastor, and he was particularly in worship, but he, he did not have the office of serving on the governing board of the elders. So in every way, he was elder qualified, but he was not an elder in the governing sense of the word. So some are on staff, some are not, and some are, um, some have the office of elder, but some do not. All pastors we hire are elder qualified, but not all of them are put on the elder board um, to to govern because that doesn't line up with their, their particular gifting or their responsibility in the church. Now, it's crucial to understand that on the front end, who can be an elder pastor overseer? We, we do everything we can, pray and fast and everything, to make sure that these are biblically qualified men. When it comes to the ongoing nature of, you know, should this person continue as an elder, uh, we have a really high bar of accountability. So formally, we do an elder annual review every year. Uh, we have the, the, you know, three, four-page document that every elder fills out, myself included, and we open up about how we're doing, how healthy we are, where we're struggling, where Satan's trying to get us. We confess anything that we have to, 
And so there is an annual review every year for the elders and the staff pastors where we formally say, hey, you need to go on record and tell us, are you hiding anything? Is there anything, if it came to light, that it would grieve the Lord and hurt the church? And, and that routine every year is something that we have in place formally. Um, I get an annual review every year as well, and it's the same process as others. And then um, informally, we check in during the meetings. How are you doing? How's it going? We open up about our struggles sooner rather than later. So there's ongoing accountability to monitor if this elder is still qualified or if something happens where they're disqualified. And even if they're qualified, you know, are, are, are they disabled? Are, are they, you know, are they going through some stuff where they might need some time off? Or you know, are they depressed or discouraged? We, we want healthy, mature, godly, qualified elders, and we're constantly working toward that. So who can be elder, pastor, overseer? Biblically qualified men. Some are on staff, some are not. Some have the office, some do not. All right, then number four, God's people should honor elders and pastors. So this is where you all come in. So God's people should honor elders and pastors. So it says this after these little qualifications here, not domineering over those in your charge. That's the elders, you know, uh, lead well, being examples to the flock. Then it says in verse four, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, and that could include age-wise, but generally it's a catch-all for people who are not elders. You who are younger, be subject to the elders. So in your mind and your heart, humble yourself and realize that God has installed these men to lead. Um, and, and when it comes to authority, they, they will be imperfect, but they will be godly. And so we are charged to follow them and to support them and to love them and to help them to be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the elders are humble, the congregation is humble, the elders are humble under the Lord, understanding why he's installed them, and the congregation is humble under the elders, willing to follow their lead and flourish under that, and that's the way the church is meant to flourish. So God's people should honor elders and pastors. You can look, uh, we'll put it up on the screen, but 1 Timothy 5 17 adds to this thought. And in 1 Timothy 5, 17, Paul says this, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Double honor. So whatever honor you would give to somebody that you really respect and you acclaim and you appreciate, double it! You know, here's the honor I give to, you know, a teacher or a boss or, you know, somebody who really I like and I give them this honor. And if an elder's ruling well, double it! And you're like, wow, I, you know, and this includes words of affirmation. This is even a gift maybe, you know, where you're like, I just, I just love you and how much you poured into me. And you find ways to double honor elders who are ruling well. Um, so it says the elders who rule well are worthy of uh, double honor. And then it says this, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So um, when it comes to honoring, jot this down, all elders merit special honor from the church. All elders merit special honor from the church. Gratitude, reverence, respect because of the nature of the office, humility under their authority, deference to their decision-making, be subject to the elders. And, and not just to be like, okay, fine, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll follow what you say, but there's actually an inner amen, like, all right, we're with you, you know? So honor, and then jot this down, all have equal authority, but some bear more responsibility. Some bear more responsibility. So when it comes to the responsibility part, it says here in uh, verse 17, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. 
So there's kind of this, especially this focused honor given to people who will teach the word, who will get up and preach, who will minister the word. They're laboring in getting, you know, the message ready. And this could include anybody from uh, an elder who, you know, takes a Sunday to come up and preach, or also a pastor elder like, you know, a youth pastor who's going to teach God's word on a, on a regular basis, or, or even me, where every week I get in, I start with a blank sheet of paper, and I come up with a, you know, a meal for us from God's word. When an elder is assigned to handling teaching responsibility, there's like, a, there's like a special focused way to say, hey, honor them, pray for them. There's many reasons why. There's a, there's a stricter judgment when you handle God's word. Uh, there's a bigger responsibility to get it right. Um, and, and, and to, so that, that merits extra responsibility, and therefore some honor goes with that. So it's important to realize, though, that while elders have different responsibilities, they all have equal authority. They all have equal authority. So um, for example, the chairman of the elders will have added responsibility in coordinating the elder team and the elder duties. If an elder is on staff, part-time or full-time, that elder will have much more responsibility um, in charge of different things. So in the early days, we had one elder who volunteered to oversee all of adult ministry. He basically was putting in a part-time jobs amount of work on a volunteer basis. So he had much more responsibility as an elder. We had another elder early on who oversaw all of kids' ministry, just on, out of the goodness of his heart, you know, got done with his regular job and then oversaw kids' ministry. And that was an elder who merited some special honor because of his added responsibility. Now, it's important to understand that because if an elder has additional responsibility in an area, so like, let's say an elder is over adult ministry, then they speak with a special authority on that ministry. So if they go to the elder meeting, other elders can have ideas about adult ministry, but because that elder is bearing the responsibility, he's going to speak with greater authority on that area. He's more informed, he's more engaged, he has more points of contact, so the elders will defer to him and hear his voice on that area because of the added responsibility that he has. So this is how responsibility and authority uh, work together. All have equal authority, but some bear more responsibility. The responsibility doesn't add more authority, but it does call for more honor and esteem if the elder is taking on more. So all that together basically means this. We as a church should hold pastors and elders in high regard. In our hearts, the way we talk about them, when they're here, when they're not here, how we, how we you know, look after them and pray for them and care for their family, pastors in our church and elders and overseers, we should have a very high regard for them as they lead. So all God's people should honor elders and pastors. All elders merit special honor from the church. All have equal authority. Some bear more responsibility. And then, jot this down, the church thrives under godly spiritual leadership. The church thrives under godly spiritual leadership. When we do this, and as leaders, as elders, we humble ourselves, and we lead in a, in a gentle, loving manner, uh, courageously and strong, but also carefully and merciful. When we do that, when God's people follow by humbling themselves and saying, we're behind you, we're going to follow you, you know, we're for you, then the church flourishes. The church thrives under godly spiritual leadership. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So the church thrives under godly spiritual leadership, and humility is the cornerstone of all of this working out. It says in verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he may exalt you. It says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. I like that. 
It's like an article of clothing that you don't wake up wearing, right? So, so imagine you just kind of leave the house and you're not fully clothed. Like you got there, but you forgot one piece and maybe it was an important piece and someone back in the door is like, get back in here right now. You know, maybe it's snows on the ground, you forgot your jacket, right? Or whatever. But get back in here and you have to clothe yourself, right? And as Christians, we don't wake up wearing humility. Uh, there's a lot of other things that we might wake up wearing, grumbling, you know, like, I don't want to go to work, you know, we've got to put it on every day. Where's my humility? Where's my, where did you put my humility? You know, you find it, you clothe yourself with it, and then you bring it to church. Then you bring it to the elder meeting. Then you bring it to your small group. And if you forget to put it on, some dear brother or sister next to you is like, you forgot to put on your humility, and it's kind of embarrassing. You know, you can borrow mine until you get home. So we're clothing ourselves with humility toward one another. Why? Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Um, the word for humility means a low mindset. It's a compound word. It, it, you're barely rising off the ground in the way you think of yourself. You're barely rising off the ground. It doesn't mean self-pity, like, I'm nobody. That's not it. That's false humility. It means you really know that you are very small compared to an awesome God and compared to the flock that he loves around. You're really small in the grand scheme of things. You get that. When you're climbing Mount Everest, which I don't know if you're planning to do, but in addition to the mountain and the snow and the ice and the weather, uh, actually the greatest threat to getting to the top of Mount Everest is inside of you. You see, as you get higher and higher and higher, you enter the death zone where you can't survive. You have a limited time, and if you don't get back down, you will not make it. And the higher you go up there, the more something starts to happen in the chemistry of your body. And you can quickly form what's called a cerebral edema. A cerebral edema is the swelling of the brain. You're getting higher and higher and higher and higher, and your body knows you don't belong there, and your head starts to swell. When your head starts to swell, you start to hallucinate. You actually think you can walk off the side of the mountain back down to base camp. You start taking your clothes off. You take off your coat because you feel hot. And when you start walking toward the edge, the Sherpa tackles you because they know that something is going wrong inside of your brain chemistry. Tackles you. And they immediately know there is only one way to save you because your head, you see how this ties into pride and humility? Your head is getting too big. Your, head is, your brain is swelling because you're high, high, high. They have to get you low. They drag you down as fast as they can, as low as they can to save your life. What a portrait of pride and humility. Whatever it is that's rising you up the mountain, making you feel above everyone else, whether it's a sense of entitlement or pride or even fear, and you need to be the one, you know, rescuing it, whatever's getting you up that mountain and you're getting bigger, if someone doesn't come and tackle you and drag you all the back down, to, wade back down to a place of humility, it can be fatal. And in a church, we have to watch out for a swelling sense of self and an escalating, you know, I'm going to get up to the top. We've got to get, and we've actually got to be diving for the bottom of the pile, humbling ourselves under the Lord, getting smaller in what we understand about ourselves and bigger in what we understand about Christ. That's the way to life. The church thrives under godly spiritual leadership. And here's where it, here's where it closes out. It says, uh, back in 1 Peter 5, it says, humble yourselves, all of you. God opposes the problem. It says in verse 4, when the chief shepherd appears, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The chief shepherd is Jesus. Elders and the congregation, we will answer to Jesus Christ. We will appear before his judgment seat to give an answer for how we led or for how we responded to leadership. The chief shepherd will appear soon. 
And his loving leadership flows through the under-shepherds, that's us, to the sheep, that's you, so that the church might be built up to maturity. That means we have to be vertically so humble because there is a chief shepherd and he's coming back. Horizontally, we have to be so humble because we're all going to appear before him and we're going to have a lot to answer for. Humility, humility, humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, quoting a proverb from the Old Testament. We don't want God's opposition on our elder team. We don't want God's opposition in our church. We've got to get low. We've got to stay small because Jesus is awesome and huge, and he's coming back soon. And then there's a reward. There's rewards mentioned for all believers in Scripture, but here it focuses on the reward for a leader who does well. It says uh, that the chief shepherd will appear, and you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So there is a crown given to a leader, an elder, who serves well. Here's a picture of a the kind of fading crowns that they would give back then. They're like leaves, right? Julius Caesar. You know, it's a crown of like leaves and you wear it and it looks nice, but then it dies and then you take it off. It's a wreath for maybe a military victory, but it's a fading crown. An athlete would be given a fading crown. Good job. You crossed the finish line. Here's your crown. It'll be dead in a week. Come back next year for another one. It's a fading crown. Um, Thin branches, leaves, but, you know, a warrior coming back from battle. But we see God lavishing recognition on leaders who lead well, and it's an unfading crown of glory. So check it out. Royalty, of course. You know, stuff like this. Like, Jesus wants us to rule with him. And when we show up, he's going to give us a crown, right? And, and we know what to do with it. We throw it right back at his feet. But he's going to crown us for, for our service here. Somehow it adds glory to Christ in eternity as he commends us. Wow. Wow. Well, if God is lavishing recognition and honor upon those elders who elder well, how much more should we honor them? How much more should we thank them and support them and pray for them that they might succeed? Well, today we get the chance to install two new elders, and I'm truly blessed that God has raised these men up in our church. We've had their uh, bios in the bulletin for a month. We have them um, in the bulletin today, too, if you didn't get a chance to read about these men. But Bob Powers is our first elder candidate, and um, we're going to bring them up in a moment, one at a time, with some other godly leaders in our church, some men to pray for them. But uh, I'm so thankful for Bob and for Debbie. Bob's bio says he lives in Crestwood with his wife. They've been attending Anchor for almost three years. Been in ministry for 35 years. He's a seasoned veteran, and he's got the battle scars to prove it. Started on the church planning team at Liberty University, where he led the team for four years. Pastored for almost 36 years, vice president of Hands on Africa, which has a Bible school in six different countries in Africa, and has uh, also it has multiple orphanages, a medical center, and a widow care center, and a baseball league, just for fun. Bob lectures in the Bible school when he is able to do so. Currently a chaplain at Palos Hospital and St. Joe's Hospital in Joliet. Serves on our greeting team and is known for his bad jokes. <laughs> That's Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob is also our interim um, adult pastor right now. Excels at care. And um, last night, uh, Bob and Debbie and Brian and Faith, we went out for dinner at Chai Tung. If you've never been there, Evergreen Park, great Chinese restaurant. I just heard, you know, shared our stories of what God's done in our lives, how we got saved, you know, the knuckleheads we were before Christ showed up, and, and then how he got a hold of us. And it's just really awesome that God has done a great work in your, in your heart, in your life, in your family. Uh, and so, so thankful for you guys this morning. And then Brian Horner, Brian and Faith. Uh, Brian's been um, also a, a stellar servant as they've led a small group. And Brian's attended Anchor for seven years. He and Faith lead a small group together, serving kids ministry in Awana, live in Oaklawn with their two daughters, Lucy and Savannah. 
And also, uh, when we've done Night in Bethlehem, if you've ever been to Night in Bethlehem, they served year after year as Mary and Joseph. I mean, the very parents of the Messiah. What role model servants, did, what more do you need out of an elder candidate than, uh, you know, I was Joseph. Uh, and so <laughs> that's kind of a mic drop walk off. So we're really excited to um, honor them and install them today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually invite Bob up first. And then I invited some guys um, to come up and to pray um, I think, Ken, if you're here, and then uh, Brad and, and David, come on up on stage right now. If one of you could grab, Brad, if you could grab the mic back there, I think Charlton has it, and come on up, and let's give Bob a round of applause for saying yes to this, right? Why don't you come on to the middle, Bob? All right, Brad's got the mics, he's going to hand them out, um, and um, what we're going to do is we're, we're going to officially lay hands on him, scriptural thing. And we are going to uh, pray for you as we install you. And then we've got some gifts for you as well. But I think it would be appropriate for you to take a knee before the Lord, right? Um, and then we're just going to have the chance to pray for you. So, Brad, why don't you start and you can just pass the mic down. Uh, there we go. we got another one. Maybe you can give that to Ken. You can turn that on if it's not on already. Brad, why don't you go ahead and start? Go down the line and then I'll, I'll pray for Bob as well. And you guys just, just join us in affirming this prayer right now together as we bow our, our heads and close our eyes. Go ahead, Brad. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for this church. We are uh, so grateful that it's here and that, Lord, it has been focused on you from the beginning. And, Lord, we thank you that you are the head of this church. And, uh, but, Lord, we also thank for, for earthly leadership. We thank you for the elders that have led this church for so many years and so well. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, for Bob that has been willing to step up and take on this role of elder. We thank you, Lord, for his leadership and for his experience over the years and uh, for bringing that to this role. We just pray, Lord, that you would continue to uh, lead him uh, as he leads the church. Lord, uh, you can't be an elder unless you're first following you. And so we want, uh, Bob, to be following you first and foremost and then leading us as a church. And so we thank you for that and we praise you for that. And we just pray that you would uh, just bless him, help him to be a, a strong leader. And uh, Lord, uh, I know there's gonna be Issues that come, Lord, give him wisdom, give him discernment, give him uh, the patience and endurance, Lord, to see us through. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you, and you pray these things in your name. Father, I too want to thank you for um, this church, for the elders, Ken and Mike and Rich, as they led this church so faithfully for so many years. It's meant so much to me. Um, I, I thank you that before this church even began, you knew the length of their service, and you knew there would be those who would be needed to replace them. And you have brought men to this church, um, I think especially of Bob, who came at just the right time. You've brought them here for this purpose. And we thank you and praise you and give you the glory. I know that you will be with Bob as he leads. I know that you will give him strength when the job gets hard. That he will have compassion and grace for those who need grace. And he will have the word of truth for those who need truth. And I thank you that he has taken this responsibility on. And that he loves you and that you will guide him through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, 
together this morning to pray for Bob. Lord, we are extremely blessed to add him to our elder team. Lord, we are true, they are true followers to, use, to serving you faithfully and displays all the qualifications spelled out in your word. As he takes on the responsibilities set before him, may the Holy Spirit lead him as, as he serves you and the anchored church family with zeal and love. May, they, may he make godly decisions and strengthen the integrity of our congregation. Lord, bless their wives as they walk beside their husbands, encouraging and helping them. We pray that you bless them and make your face shine upon them and give them peace. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Father, we thank you that you did such a marvelous work in saving Bob. Uh, you rescued him up. Uh, out of the darkness, just using a Bible track, and he, he knew that he, his soul was just far gone into depravity, and Lord, he was in bondage, and yet you opened his eyes to salvation and saved him. He is now a trophy of your grace. Thank you for his faithful service decade after decade as a pastor in your church. We're just so grateful that you brought a seasoned, wise veteran of the faith here to our flock to care for us, to look after us, to watch over us, Jesus. And we're thankful that you have more for him. You're not done with him. And he is your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Fill him with your spirit. Empower him through his efforts that many lives might be touched with the grace of God. Bless Debbie, O Lord, as she frees him up to care for your flock as an expression of her great love for the bride of Christ. And as she impacts the hearts of so many people as well, we pray that you would watch over her, O Lord, and care for her. We pray that together there would be a shining, radiant example of the transforming love that only you can provide in this dark world. Jesus, we lift him up to you. Have your hand of favor upon him, and we pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Bob. You are officially an elder at Anchor Payless. Let's give him a big round of applause. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right, you can have a seat for a second. We're going to invite Brian on up here. So let's give Brian Horner a big round of applause as well. All right, Brian, it's your turn to go ahead and take the knee. We're so thankful for you and for Faith and for uh, saying yes to this and just thrilled to install you as an elder this morning. All right, we can maybe go in reverse order here. Ken, do you want to start it off? All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, as we gather here this morning, and uh, we just want to lift up Brian. And uh, Lord, we, there again, we're just extremely blessed that he's uh, being added to our elder team. And um, Lord, I pray that he would just serve faithfully and display all the things that a, a follower of you and an elder should should be. Um, Lord, is, is all the things that are, are uh, set before him, um, Lord, may this, the Spirit just be um, in him to serve you and the church um, and make all the godly decisions and strength that, that he needs for our congregation. Once again, I pray for their wives as they uh, need to be a good support for their husbands during this time. Uh, and, and Lord, we just ask that you would have a special blessing upon him uh, as he serves our church. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Father, we thank you for uh, Brian, for his willingness to serve you. We thank you that you have called him for this purpose and that he has answered that call. We pray that you would bless his life and, and his work. Um, be a special blessing on his family as he commits to this. 
Um, may the responsibilities of this uh, church not prevent him from being the husband and the father that they need. I thank you for Faith's willingness to allow him to do this and for his love for you that has brought him to this place. I pray that that would continue and that you would um, just allow him to know that you are with him every step of the way. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we thank you for Brian. We thank you for his steady service over the years, his consistency and his love for the church, his love for his small group and for kids. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for his commitment. Lord, that shows that he's going to be a good elder. And Lord, he's going to be committed to this church. And we thank you for that. And we pray that you would uh, that you would go before him. Pray that you would continue to lead him as uh, he leads the church. And Lord, uh, we definitely want him to be following you. And so, Lord, we pray that he would uh, continue that, continue to be in your word, continue to seek you for guidance, for uh, for uh, wisdom, Lord. Um, we definitely want elders that are seeking you and seeking your guidance and seeking your wisdom, Lord, and not making decisions on their own. But Lord, uh, always be in your uh, be in your guidance, Lord, and pray that you would that you would help him to serve in your strength, uh, Lord. Help him to look to you uh, for his for his strength, Lord, and his endurance. Pray that you would bless Brian, bless Faith and the kids, Lord, as uh, he serves in this role. Pray, Lord, um, that uh, I know it is a big commitment, especially when you're a father of young kids, uh, Lord, to, um, to, to do this. And so we thank you, Lord, for him and pray that you would continue to bless his family. And we pray, commit him to you, Lord, in your name. Father, thank you so much for Brian and for Faith, for their love for your flock, for their faithful service over the past many years, for saying yes to more here more of the same, though, more of loving your sheep, more of caring for them, more of building them up, more of having the joy when you return of having prepared people to appear before your presence. That's what spiritual leadership is all about. And thank you for Brian's heart for your people. Uh, as he looks out, he sees that shepherd need a sheep, and he's willing to provide that oversight, that care. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would fill him with your spirit, help him to hold the high ground of victory in the major battlefields of faith. Give him wisdom when he needs it and help and strength and energy when he lacks it. We pray that you would fill his faith with, with uh, all of the glory of Christ and fill his family and his home with every fruit of the Spirit possible. Jesus, when Satan knocks him low, I pray that he would get right back up and that he would, in your strength, serve you. And I pray when he loses heart that you would be his refuge. And I pray, O oh Lord, when he sees the victory, when he sees people who, are, who come to faith in Christ, when he sees people who say yes to following you more closely, may he look up and give you all the glory. Lord, keep him and Bob and me and everyone in the church humble. And as we, oh Lord, know that you are the great chief shepherd who will return soon, may we long for the day when we appear before you to receive our commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. We lift him up to you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brian, welcome. You're an elder at Anchor Palis. Thank you, brother. Well, I'm going to invite um, Bob and Debbie and Faith to come on up on the stage, and Lauren's going to come up here too. And let's thank the guys who helped to install them this morning as well. Come on up, come on up. And I, I don't know where our photographer is, but we're going to get a group picture. Oh, there you are. Dave's right there, right in the front. You, all right, so come on up, step to the middle. We have some gifts for you as our way of saying we love you guys. Lauren's going to give some gifts to, uh, to the wives and um, to show our appreciation. And then um, I'm also giving a special Bible to uh, the men. You know a Bible is special when it comes in like this 
uh, <laughs> velvety fabric wrapping, <laughs> you know, but this is a really awesome ESV Bible, and I put a few things in here, just a card of appreciation for you guys. I also, in my preaching Bible, have one of the uh, prayers out of the Valley of Vision, a Puritan prayer that has been special to me, so I, I taped that in your Bible, and then I also just put in here the, the date and, um, you know, when you were installed as an elder to commemorate this. So uh, my prayer for you, as I put in here, was just that when you open this book, for your soul and for whoever you're ministering to, whether it's your, your wife or, or, you know, you're preaching the word, that God would use this to build your faith and the faith of other people. And I've got one for you too, Brian. Um, so there you go. And let's just give all these people a big round of applause for saying yes to this. Thank you so much. We love you guys. All right, getting close. Getting close for a picture here, all right? Getting close for a picture. All good? All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Appreciate it. Let's get the worship team back up here. We've got one more song and four minutes to sing it. Worship team, come on back up here. Thanks, guys. Where's the worship team? Come on back up. We've got one more song. I think we are, uh, we're going we're gonna to do it. So, hey, everybody, why don't you stand up, and I'll pray as the worship team gets ready, <laughs> and we'll sing one last song together. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You've done great things, and we praise you for the elders who were installed and their wives. We praise you, Lord, for our worship team uh, hustling back up here to lead us in one more song. For all the wonderful things you're doing in our church, we give you the glory, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.